surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this special episode is a pre-race for our virtual 5K and 10K that will be happening this weekend, this coming weekend, the 27th to the 29th, and the following weekend as well. So 5K first, the 10K second. We got three guests in this episode, three different segments to touch on all areas that you need to know about in order to do this 5K as well and efficiently and as happily and as safely as you possibly can. So we have Michael Crouch from McCurdy Trained, who's going to give us some updates on exactly how to perform at our best on race day, whether that's a virtual race or just a normal race. We also have Lindsay Hine coming on to talk about our, our running podcaster challenge. I can't wait to dive into this. In short, we have four teams of two of a lot of the running podcasters in the space who will be competing in the 5k the 10k in the half marathon and this is going to be a lot of fun i couldn't get i couldn't wait i should say to get Lindsay on the episode to talk about it and lastly we have amber morrison who is a physician's assistant at st joe's medical center in bellingham washington to talk about all things covid19 and how to make sure that we as runners can be as safe as we possibly can amber is a 245 marathoner so believe me, besides her health knowledge and her running knowledge, she's definitely someone that you want to talk to. Now, before we get into all of that, let's just talk about how to do the 5K and the 10K from a virtual race perspective. So the first thing you have to do is to go onto Strava. And if you don't have account, have an account, I should say, just sign in. It's free. Then at that point, you then join the Rambling Runner Run Club. You have to join the club in order to sign up for the races. That's just how Strava works. So you just search that. You'll find it very easily. The Rambling Runner Run Club. You'll even see a picture of me running you know, at the top. I don't know if that's a positive or negative, but you'll see me there. Uh, and then you can choose whichever races that you want to get into. And from that point forward... You'll have a designated weekend for whichever race you want to do. You can complete the race at any point during that three-day span, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, okay? Now, this is how it works. First of all, when you do your race, okay, obviously you're going to want to do a warm-up and you're going to want to do a cool-down, but when you do your race, you need to make sure that your upload only details what that race segment was. So if you want to do a warm-up and you want to log it into Strava, that's fine. At the end of your warm-up, you know, press the sync button and log that into Strava. Then when you're about to race, start a new segment, a new upload, and then you'll be ready to go. Then at the conclusion of your race, you'll stop it. And then later on that day, you need to go back into Strava. This is so easy. I promise. You go into Strava. Okay. You press the edit button, whether you're on desktop or mobile, and then you just change the type of run it is. You can change it to basically it, it defaults as nothing. Okay, and then you can change it to a long run or workout or race. You want to pick the race option. And once you do and you save it, it will automatically connect to the race that you signed up for for that weekend. And then you are good to go. So it's very simple. It's very easy. If you have any questions, you can go to uh, the, the text set up within each race on the Rambling Runner Run Club page. Every race has a description of how to do it. It's all right there. It's very easy. You can also go to theramblingrunner.com and all the information is there as well. Now, with that being said, 
A lot of us are under a lot of pressure and a lot of stress these days. There's a lot of reasons for it. I know in our house, our our kids, four years old and seven years old, are home now uh, where they normally would be in school and at pre-K. And for a lot of us, we're not able to train the way we normally would or we're just feeling a lot of stress. And when it comes to athletics or anything in life, Stress is stress, no matter its origin or genesis. And with that in mind, you may not necessarily be at your best this weekend. Be easy on yourself. It's fine. It's not a big deal. When it comes to testing ourselves on race day, it's about getting everything out of your body that you have on that day. And if you're just not at your best for whatever reasons from stress or cumulative fatigue and things like that, that's not a negative. It's about pushing yourself as far as you can, as hard as you can on that day. Also, there are going to be plenty of people who do these races who don't view it necessarily as a race. It might just be a hard workout, and that's totally fine, too. With that said, we do have some special giveaways that I want to tell you about. So the top three men and top three women in each race are going to get a free Erica Sarah medal for their um basically, for their accomplishment. So uh, I'll be sending that out to you once you finish top three. I'll reach out to you personally, and we'll make that happen. These medals that Erica Sarah did are absolutely fantastic. Uh, If you go onto her website, this is being released on Tuesday, so it will be there. If you go onto her website, you'll be able to purchase them if you want. It's the Run to Overcome medals. They're fantastic. She's fantastic, and I can't wait for you to see them. Also, if you complete the Rambling Runner Grand Slam, you run all four races, the 5K, the 10K, the half marathon, and the marathon over eight weeks, You're going to get a free pair of sunglasses from Gooder, and you're going to get a free Rambling Runner Virtual Race Series t-shirt. Those t-shirts will also be available for sale. I'm going to be putting out the link for my online store uh, later today on Tuesday, and you'll be able to purchase those as well. But if you do the Grand Slam, you'll get both of those for free. Hopefully, just a little more incentive to go above and beyond and really make it happen. So that's enough from me. We're going to dive into the episode now with Michael Crouch and then Lindsey Hine and then Amber Morrison. However, before we get into it, I do want to recognize one of our sponsors. We have a couple different sponsors who are going to help out with this virtual race series, and they're helping to make it free, which is so incredible, and I really appreciate it. First one is McCurdy Trained. Over the past four years, McCurdy Trained has developed into a leader in the online coaching world. We've assembled the best coaches in the country to help our athletes develop, achieve, and now in these times, adapt. Always on the ready, our coaches are there to lead. We work with athletes of all abilities from all over the world in their quest to accomplish their dreams. And we're honored to sponsor the Rambling Runner Race Series to help bring the global running community together and to lead in these turbulent times. Go to McCurdyTrain.com if you need training, not only during this, but in any point in your life. They're absolutely fantastic, and I'm proud to be a member of that team as well. Now, let's get into our episode. Hello, Michael, and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Matt. I appreciate it. I appreciate you hopping on. It's nice to have an expert coach and runner to come on here and talk to everyone who's going to be doing the virtual races and specifically the virtual 5K and 10K over the next two weeks. It's really exciting to have you on. I guess first things first, before all this coronavirus stuff, what was your impressions you know, say a month ago and before that of the whole like virtual racing scene. Cause as I've said earlier, like I was not part of it at all. Yeah. You know, I think maybe before this, I had one or two people ever 
even approach me about doing a virtual race. And so I didn't know much about it. I've heard about it. And even some of my athletes who are race directors, they sometimes do that. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't really something I was aware of. And now that uh, all the coronavirus stuff is taking place and we're trying to come up with new ideas with how to keep uh, our athletes engaged and motivated. I mean, it, it couldn't be a bigger blessing to have these. I know it's so funny how like the running world went from, you know, like 1% of 1% competing in these kinds of races to now, you know, they're popping up everywhere and for good reason. Yeah, definitely. And I, I just want to say what you're doing with these virtual races, I mean, they, they've been a huge godsend to a lot of my athletes. Um, I think, I mean, probably 60 to 70% of my athletes are, are already joined in. They're excited about it. And, um, you know, maybe not so the, the marathon only, only maybe one or two showed interest in that, but, um, but the 5k, 10k half marathon, uh, like, it's not just me asking my athletes if they want to do it. They're actually approaching me as well saying, Hey, what do you think about joining this? This sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. Well, that's great to hear. I'm certainly glad that they're excited for it. You know, I think the longer the race is going to be. Kind of the, the trickier it's going to get in terms of executing these, especially if someone really wants to excel and set a PR or, or run their fastest race possible. Uh, and I think we're going to get into that in a second. So I guess first things first, as we think about these races, you know, some people are going to be approaching this like, all right, I'm going to time trial this. I want to run as fast as I can. Other people are going to view this as, all right, this is just going to be a hard workout on a normally, you know, my weekend's a little long run or is my weekend hard workout and this is just going to be part of that so when you think about the difference between running your all-out time trial best versus running a workout what are some things that come to mind yeah well let me start by saying like if someone does want to use one of the virtual races as a workout i think that's great too um but as far as your question about how to get prepared for it um you know, there, there's a, there's a few things that I think that someone should really focus on. And, and the number one thing is going to be to, in your mind, the best you can to actually treat it like it is a race. And, and what I mean by that is you almost want to become your own race director in a way. Uh, you, you want to try to, try to pick the best time for you to do it. Say, say, usually that's the mornings because the weather's usually the best then. It's usually less windy then. Um, you know, usually better temperature, um, in, in most of the country. And so finding a good start time, say 8 a.m. to do it and actually sticking to a plan. And that way it actually makes it feel more like a race. And so, um, I think like getting, getting to bed early, uh, picking out a race kit and actually wearing a race kit, uh, it, all these things actually help with, build the race jitters. And I know sometimes people look at the race jitters as like something that they don't want to have. And it's great that they might not have it going into a race. But um, those race jitters are actually very helpful for, for drawing in adrenaline, which is inevitably what actually makes us run faster. That's a great point. I love the idea of the race kit. You know, I think a lot of people get so excited about that part. You know, they'll put their race kit out the night before. Maybe they'll take a picture of it. But it kind of is like that hallmark moment of so many people of the racing experience. Now, when you're thinking about preparing your preparing your race kit for, say, the 5K versus the 10K, 
let's just go with a temperature that's kind of borderline for most people. So say it's high 30s, say, you know, low 40s. So between, say, 36 and 41, is there a difference with how you would dress or advise someone to dress for those temperatures, depending on whether it's the 5K or the 10K? I don't think there's too much of a difference, uh, just because the, the, the time that you're racing, let's say you're someone who runs 22 minutes in the 5k and 46 minutes in the 10k. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difference of 24 minutes, but really it's not that different compared if you're running an hour 40, um, where, uh, for a half marathon or something like that. So, uh, but there are some, a few things that you can use across the board, um, in that temperature specifically, uh, I think uh, warm up clothes are key for it. Um, that that temperature, you can still wear your normal race kit. Um, maybe it, it might vary a little bit. Someone might wear uh, gloves or arm warmers or even start in a long sleeve. But uh, the the warm up clothes are are key, and so I really suggest making sure you have a proper pair of running tights or running pants, a good running jacket, beanie, gloves, all that stuff, um, because we really want to make sure that you get good, proper blood flow before you start your race. Uh, because especially if it's colder, you don't want to start a race with cold muscles. That's how you pull a hamstring, pull some muscles. So um, so yeah, the, the warm-up is really key for that. All right, so let's talk about the warm-up. So what exactly does that entail? Um, and you can also vary this to depend on the athlete, right? So you, you're coaching people who are going to be running. You have people with different abilities. What are some of the things that you would tell them that would be uniform for all of them? And also you can throw in some differentiation depending on how long they think they will go or how hard they're going to be pushing their bodies. Yeah, so uh... – I, I really think this can also be a good um, reference point for not just virtual races, but just races in general. And I think it's good to to take a step back a little bit from when you start warming up because race day begins long before then. So making sure that you still are getting up in plenty of time for your body to wake up before you start your warm up is is a really important fact. So I with all my athletes um when I'm putting together their uh their race plan, uh one thing that I put in there is make sure you're up at least 3 hours before y- your race time. So if that's 8 a.m. when you're planning on starting, then getting up at least by 5 a.m. uh right when you get up, either taking a hot shower, going for an easy walk just to get that blood flow going going, eating something bland like oatmeal, um, a banana, uh, something like that that's going to sit well in your stomach. Try to stay away from citric acids like orange juice. And then when the when the warm-up starts, I suggest starting your warm-up depending on how, how long your long run is so or your, uh, your warm-up time is. So say you're going to warm up for 10 to 15 minutes before uh, for to have a 10 to 15-minute jog before you start your race. Well, start that about 40 to 45 minutes before your planned race time. Make sure you get in your drills, your strides, and I can't um, I can't, uh, you know, suggest enough making sure that you take your time with everything because we're going to ta- be taking our time during our races. So let's take time for the virtual race as well. Yeah, that's a great point. So I love doing the strides before the race as well. I know for me, it's like that's when the jitters are really coming to a head in a typical race situation. When I'm doing those strides, I'm so warmed up. I'm feeling good. 
Usually my legs are feeling pretty snappy. How, how would you advise people to do their strides in terms of how many, how fast, and for what distance? Yeah, um, I usually suggest just doing four to five times 20 seconds or, you know, if you're you're on a track, maybe four to five times 100 meters. And I really suggest, depending on the distance, is how hard you want to do them. So if you're training for a 5K, um, I suggest at 5K effort or even a little bit faster just so your body is revved up, ready to go, and it's and it's ready to make sure that that first mile feels relatively easy compared to the strides you're doing, that's key. When you're do, uh, training for a 10K, you know, 5K effort, uh, you don't need to be much faster than that, just a little bit faster than race pace. So um, just maybe just under 10K pace for 5K effort. And then if you're doing a half marathon or a marathon, you don't want to make them super aggressive because you don't want to put a lot of, of uh, strain on your legs before because you're running so far. So really just 10K effort um, or just a touch faster than that for, for half marathon or marathon for your strides is great. And so um, when I say take your time with them, what a lot of people do is they feel like they got to rush their stride. So they'll end up running 20 seconds at 5K effort, wait 10 seconds, turn around, do another stride at uh, uh, 5K effort right away, but take your time with it. I suggest taking a minute to 90 seconds in between each stride. Um, That's enough time to let your heart rate come back down and not overdo it before you start the race. I love the idea of running pretty close to race pace because I know I have done this and I've seen so many other people do this in terms of basically treating those strides like I would treat strides at like the end of a run where I want to practice going fast. And then you kind of groove that fast pace into your muscles and like when the gun goes off, like here you go at that same pace, which is way faster than you actually want to start a race of that length. Yeah, and you got to be very careful because the strides are going to make that that first quarter of a mile feel so easy. And you could, I can't tell you how many times I've had my athletes when I'm looking back on their data from a race, they're doing their strides, they're feeling good. And so it causes them, let's say they're trying to run seven minute pace for their 5k. And the goal is to be very even throughout that race to have an even exertion. But that first quarter mile ends up being like 530 pace. And you're like, all right, you got to make sure you have an exerted effort to, to, um, to still not go out too hard because your legs are going to be feeling so good after those strides. Yeah, that's a great point. And I know in the past, my coach is James McCurdy, and he has said to me, like, because I have a penchant for doing this all the time, is, you know, he basically has me mark out the first quarter mile of the race course. And because your GPS watch might not be perfectly aligned after the first quarter mile, especially if you're like really, really fast, certainly someone far faster than me, like someone like yourself, for instance, the first quarter mile might not be perfect on the GPS split pacing element that just looking at like your overall time after a quarter mile and making sure it aligns with what you want, as opposed to waiting for the first mile to really dial into how fast you're going. Exactly. And I can't tell you how many races that I have run where their markers are so off anyways. It, it, it's it's my little bone to pick is like, it's kind of your one job to make sure that the race is like marked properly. But, um, but that's why, you know, the smaller the race, the GPS watch can be important. And I actually suggest a lot of people run the course for part of their warm up to make sure that it is accurate. So you can get a good reading and 
you know, James McCurdy is now my coach too. So we have that bond, <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, yeah, just making sure that, uh, you know, as a coach, making sure my athletes either warm up on the co- uh, course or, um, doing something like that to, to check out the first quarter mile, make sure you have a marker, like a telephone pole, a sign, just so you know exactly where to get that good reading for sure. All right, let's talk about execution of the race. You mentioned before that the ideal is to have an even-paced effort the entire time. Can you explain that further? Yeah, so when we look at um, most world records, uh, and and you don't even have to go to the world records. You can go to most professional athletes. The ideal uh, uh, race plan that they have is try to be as even as possible because if you are fluctuating up and down in your paces – it, it's raising your heart rate, lowering your heart rate. And what's that's going to do, especially the shorter distances. Um, and I guess we can even say this for the marathon. If you get out too hard, what it's going to do is it's going to flood your legs with a uh, more lactic acid what, than what you want. And so, especially when we're talking about the marathon, when we all, when as coaches, we're talking about make sure you don't get out too hard. Don't push too hard too early, even though you feel really good. It's important to hold back, keep an even pace. So you, so you curb that lactic acid flooding in your legs and that extra pounding. And, um, by doing that, like you, you really truly set yourself up the best you can to run the, the fastest that you can. And especially the faster you get in your running career and closer to your potential, this is becomes key to being able to, um, run the best time that you can. Let's talk about that whole I'm but I'm feeling good fallacy and like why, especially early on in the race, maybe the first third of a race, why that necessarily isn't the best indicator. Yeah, well, because one, I mean, especially if you're tapering for the race, uh, it's your goal race of the season and you're super fit, like it should feel easy. It should not, it shouldn't, if, if, if feel, if it feels too hard from the beginning, you're, you're doing something wrong. Maybe you over tapered, didn't taper enough or something, or, you know, there's something else going on, but it really should be feeling easy. And, um, so, having the mentality of, of going out too hard be just because you feel good. All it's going to do is make that second half a lot harder for you. Um, especially in a marathon when you're, when you, uh, your legs have that accumulated pounding and you're going too hard and the lactic acids starts flooding in. Um, that's, that's when you're going to realize it was a big mistake. Yeah, I agree with you completely. That whole idea of like, of course you're feeling good. Like it's early in the race. It wouldn't be your 5K pace if you were exhausted five minutes in. Exactly, for sure. All right. Now, one part of everybody's race, no matter how qualified and fit they are from beginner all the way to the fastest people in the world is getting to that last 3% that our body is capable of doing on that day pushing through the uncomfortable feeling, that moment of, do I really want to be doing this? We start self-questioning. We start throwing rationalizations out there for why we don't want to necessarily push all the way. What are some ways that you have found to get to that last 3% of ability and effort that can be so hard to get to on race day? 
Yeah. So if we're talking about this in the context of virtual racing as well, and how you can get yourself into that last 3%, um, a few things that there's a few tricks that I like to play. Um, and, uh, when we're talking about the virtual races, the biggest thing that I would say that you should do and can do is actually invite people to come out there with you. Um, if you have eyes on you and watching you, you don't want to fail in front of your, your friends. So, uh, having someone to, to pace you, to even race with you, or just be out on the course, like, Hey, can you go to the mile mark? Can you go to this two mile mark for when I come by and cheer me on? Because that's the, those are the things that during an actual race help give us that adrenaline and, um, you know, help us use fear to our advantage. We don't want to fail in front of everybody. We know the race results are going to be posted online. So, um, you know, we don't want to look bad. So uh, inviting people out there is one way. This The second way is uh, is playing tricks with your mind. And so my wife, Sarah, she, in, in her marathons, what she's done is uh, count steps. And so what that's going to do is as you're increasing your effort, especially near the end of the race, if you're counting steps or you're just saying, okay, I'm just going to take it one quarter mile at a time. I'm not going to worry about past this quarter mile or a half mile or one mile, whatever um, distance that you decide. Um, If I don't focus past that and I just focus on what I can do right here, right now, and let that take care of itself when I get there, those are just a few really good tricks that you can use to, to trick your mind. And and this is something that I did in college. Um, I used to, when I was racing the 5k, especially on the track, um, I would just say, I'm, I'm running a two mile race. That's it. Get to the two mile in the time that I need to. And when the other, when, when the last mile comes, I can drop out if I want to. But the funny thing is I never want to drop out when I get there. I, I always want to keep pushing. And, um, because you just, like I said, you have that fear of just failing. And so use that to your advantage the best you can. No, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously they're going to have some places where getting out, getting people out to your, your, your course or your race or, or, you know, the basically how you have set up your mile paces and things like that could be difficult. You know, we have some States who have already declared um, shelter in place and we could have some more by the time next weekend rolls around. So when you have that situation, one way to do that is if you have a course that you can line up where you're running past your own house, right? You can have you know, your significant, significant other if you have one, or maybe even your kids can be out there and cheering you on. So you don't even necessarily have to enlist other people into this. You can try to find a way to incorporating your own house. And shoot, if even if it's the 10K, that might mean you have some fuel and nutrition you can pick up on the way um, that allow you to kind of have that exact same situation while not necessarily going against any governmental orders. Exactly. All right, let's talk about mindset. Because, you know, basically, in a situation where you're racing alone is going to be potentially a a new and novel situation for a lot of people doing these virtual races. So what are some of the positives and negatives and things that people need to watch out for when they're participating in something like this for the first time? Yeah, well, obviously the 
you you want to try to plan as as much as you can to get rid of some of the unknowns like you want to make sure you like you mentioned uh finding a route whether that's uh, uh one that you've run before by your house or something like that um because you don't want to end up being running down a road and then all of a sudden you know there's a it's a neighborhood where a lot of people let their dogs run loose and then you have a bunch of dogs ch- chasing after you or something like that which might help you at the end of the day to run a little faster but uh you don't want to get bit you don't want to um you want to avoid train crossings um signals and stuff like that where you have to pause your gps so that can be some of the negatives but a, a lot of planning can really help curb that um some of the positives to it is well one uh you know you don't have to worry about the travel the hectic uh how hectic it is to to find a restaurant to eat at or whatever before your race and you can sleep in your own bed you don't have to worry about that travel so that can be a, a huge benefit um Kind of uh, another negative that we talked about is the fact that you are doing this on your own. And so uh, motivation can be a, a, a little tough, but um, but if you employ some of the things that we talked about, inviting friends out there, um, that should should help a lot. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I think that at the end of the day, this can still be something that can be a huge benefit. And I, and I can't stress this enough that you still can PR in a virtual race. It's, it's not impossible to do. It's a little bit tougher because of the adrenaline, um, um, maybe not being able to summon that a little as much as we'd want, but, um, but it's very possible. For example, I've, I had three people in the last couple of weeks run, uh, time trials on their own. And, um, two of them actually in the 5k set a PR and, um, it was, one of them was a year and a half old 5k PR that she, she beat. And, and the other one was, um, like by two minutes, he, he set a PR. So it, it very much is possible. And the third one was actually a, a, ver- a, a marathon time trial that the a woman ran. I didn't push that on her. She wanted to do it herself, but she ran her marathon within 90 seconds of her old PR. And so she didn't quite get the PR, but I think that's a heck of an uh, an accomplishment to be that close to be able to to setting your PR in the marathon. Yeah, no kidding. Holy cow. I mean, you got to be so tough to do that. That is absolutely remarkable. All right, Michael, you have been so helpful. I've actually learned a lot in this. Um, so I can hopefully a lot of the people who are listening feel the same way. If someone wants to get a hold of you or maybe engage your coaching services, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, you can always reach out to me on Instagram. That's where I post a lot of my own personally athlete athlete successes as well as my own running journey. And then you can always email me at michael at mccurdytrain.com. You know, um I'm I'm one of the coaches over there with McCurdy Trained, and so we're doing great things. So uh yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on, Matt. Lindsay, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. I guess first things first, before we get into the podcasters run, you know, podcasters racing challenge. I'm so excited for all of this. How is the week in the crazy Hein household going? And where are you even this week? <laughs> it's, it's really crazy. Um, we are renovating our kitchen right now. <laughs> we decided in January to do that. And so, um, obviously not knowing what was going to happen with everything. And so we have an unusable kitchen, no sink, no stove. 
And so we have escaped to Bloomington, which is an hour and a half from our house in Indianapolis. And we're staying at my sister's house. And we're kind of popping back and forth between my sister's and my mom's house. They're a mile and a half from each other. And so we're all kind of quarantined together, which is nice because my sister has three kids. And so my kids play with her kids quite a lot. But it's a little bit overwhelming to not be at home with all your your own things, you know? So is that seven kids running amok in the house? Yes. But the nice thing about having my parents' house and my sister's house so close to one another is we're oftentimes splitting people up. So I'm like napping my youngest, Sandy, at my parents' house and actually putting him to bed at my parents' house. And then we eat dinner there and then come back to Shelby. So like Last night, for instance, I slept at my sister's house with my middle two boys and my husband, Glenn, slept at my mom's house with the baby and the oldest and one of the oldest cousins. So we're kind of like all over the place, which is good because I think if it was everybody together under one roof, uh, it'd just be too much. And sometimes we all are under one roof, but uh, it's it's really, it's a good situation. I think that uh, as hectic as it is, it feels probably a lot less lonely than if we were at home with just our family under one roof. Yeah. And for the kids must think this is like the coolest thing ever. I know. You know, my friend Lizzie messaged me because I think a lot of people on Instagram have been confused. They're like, where are you? What are you doing? What's going on? Or, like I've done Instagram stories of, of us in the basement at my parents' house and my parents have this really amazing home gym. And I'm like, just so you all know, this is not my home gym. I wish it were, but it's not. <laughs> um, but Lizzie messaged me and she was like, I know it's probably really chaotic right now and feels crazy with everybody together like this, but your kids are going to look back on this as like one of the coolest times in their childhood. And I really do think that's true. Yeah. I saw a funny, I, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, but I saw this hysterical tweet that was basically, um, you know, if you don't have kids, then you have no idea how much this quarantine sucks. I saw someone tweet that too, but you know what? I've been thinking a lot about people that live alone because I'm like, man, I feel so bad for those people because they're just all alone and you can't really go anywhere. Um, now, if you have a significant other or a spouse that you live with, I think that's a little bit different. You're like, okay, we're stuck at home, but we can watch Netflix together and be together. But it's those people that are all alone that I'm like, man, that's got to be really hard. So I've been thinking about those people a lot. Yeah, for sure. So how has it been for you as a uh, basically a small business owner, entrepreneur, trying to get all this stuff done? There's like craziness going on in the world. Everyone's self-quarantined. So there's like kind of a, a greater demand for, for entertainment. What's it been like for you kind of handling all of that as someone who you know, produces content for a living? Yeah. So I'm committed to doing my Friday episodes that I always do. And I actually have a extra nutrition episode that I recorded last week that I'm, uh, it's crazy that I was able to record it in person because things have changed so quickly in the past week. I, I recorded it last Tuesday before everything got super crazy. Um, but I'm committed to those Friday episodes. I'm going to get this extra nutrition one out. And honestly, I would love to do two a week right now for people. Uh, but my husband is very busy with work right now. He works in finance. So his company is, um, obviously everybody's companies are, you know, figuring out what we need to do. And so he's doing all these reforecasts. Like he was working till 10 PM last night 
Um, and then was up, you know, had an eight o'clock meeting this morning. So I'm kind of, honestly, if I'm being completely honest, uh, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm feeling resentful, uh, to him, even though he's just doing his job, uh, because I want to do my work too. And I'm so excited about putting out episodes and things like that. But, um, you know, I am trying to realize that I do this for flexibility for my family. You know, like one of the cool things about working for yourself is that you can work whenever you want um, for the most part. And so I'm just trying to really be grateful for that and not be frustrated with him because, you know, if you work in finance right now, there's a lot going on. So, um, yeah, I would like to put out a couple episodes a week right now, but I, I'm sticking to the Fridays and then. Um, the other thing is, Matt, I was just sitting here thinking about it and I was like, are people listening to more podcasts or are they not? Because for me personally, I'm listening to less because I have four kids and they're all home all the time and I don't have the commuting time. So like a lot of times I listen to podcasts when I'm driving in the car to run errands or going to the grocery or I do listen to them on my run. I just finished a podcast while I was running. I just got in four miles. Thank you to my sister. Um, and my mom for watching my kids, but yeah, I wonder, are people listening to more or are they not? What do you think? That's a good question because I'm, I'm a serial podcast listener by that. I mean, not the actual podcast serial, but I listen <laughs> to them constantly. So for me, it doesn't alter very much, but if you're a, a person who listens to them on your commute and that's pretty much it, well then yeah, you're, you're pretty much going to be on the lower end. I think there's probably other people who like me, like I'll just have like, you know, my aftershocks in or on, you know, on my ears and I'll just have them, you know, throughout the day and things like that. So it hasn't affected me. Uh, looking at the stats, they have gone up a little bit this week. Um, but that's not independent of the fact that like I also had some pretty good guests. So, you know, that also, um, you know, there's just more than just, there's more than one factor when trying to determine like why people may or may not be listening to a certain week. I, yeah, I agree with that. I know I actually just looked at my downloads right before we got on and I, I don't pay, like I, I check in almost every day just to see what they are at. And I need to like put this all in an Excel spreadsheet or something and analyze it, but I don't. And I, so I just generally see roughly around the same and I think it's the same, but also, you know, like I just had Carissa Schweitzer on and I would assume that she would be a guest that would get a decent amount of downloads if she promotes it, you know? So yeah, it's hard to tell. Um, I definitely, you know what I need to do is I need to put my husband, Glenn, the Excel guy on the case and be like, can you tell me where this is trending? Because I, I just like analyzing it is too much work for me right now. And you're not busy at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on, Glenn, you're not doing anything. Get on it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see, I guess we'll find out in the next like three or four weeks what those trends really look like. How are you doing though? Like with your family, I know your wife's working from home and you've got two kids at home. How's it for you? Yeah. It's, so this has been different. So this was um, supposed to be my last week at work before I went full time uh, with the podcast and with, uh, with, with run coaching and, and not that run coaching is less than full time, but it was for me, it was the reason to go full time was for the podcast. So I'm really excited about that. And now my wife is a teacher and I have two kids. So What's happening now is, you know, before we got on this call, my wife was on a, you know, basically a town-wide conference call with all the teachers talking about how they're going to approach distance learning next week and for who knows how long. So for me, 
this whole thing of like being at home and really like putting in a ton of hours with all this stuff has completely shifted because now I'm going to be home with my family, you know, the whole time. And my wife, who's an elementary school teacher and who's perfectly positioned to teach my second grade daughter all the things that she needs to learn. However, my daughter is going to be doing the distance learning stuff at the same time that my wife needs to be teaching the distance learning stuff. So instead, it's going to be like daddy daycare, daddy teaching during the day, and then back to doing the podcast at night. So I was like really excited to have like all these all these hours during the day to get a lot of this stuff done. And obviously, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. Oh, man, it's rough. All right. So we talked about how things are going in terms of how we're managing, you know, this this period of time. One thing that we just announced today, and this is a preview episode for the for both the 5K and the 10K, is our podcaster running challenge. I'm so excited for this. I haven't had a running goal in so long. I love competition. I love all my fellow running podcasters. We communicate all the time. I'm so excited for this. I guess first things first, are you excited to have your Sandy Boy Productions teammate be your running teammate this time around? Yeah. Did you plan it for that reason? I know you were trying to get it. You were trying to make teams as even as possible speed wise. I know that, but I mean, I'm not mad about being paired up with someone that's an Olympic trials uh, runner. Yeah. So you're with Lauren Flores. So I'm, I'm excited for you because not only was like, for me, it was like a tiebreaker. I wasn't sure who to match up for certain spots. And I was like, all right, keeping them together might be pretty cool. Um, I got Mario. I basically seated myself I seated myself last. I'm definitely the slowest. And I, I wasn't sure who the fastest was. Everyone was kind of telling me, like, all right, I think Mario is. So I seated myself with Mario, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, if I were to guess, it would probably be Mario, Jason, Lauren, Abby, Carrie, Chris, me, you. Or I might be faster than Chris. I don't know. I don't know anything about Chris. Does he run fast? He has. So I think last year he ran a 304 marathon. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's definitely faster than me then. Yeah. And he does, he does quite a few track meets at the armory. So I think the shorter stuff probably also fits into what he's doing. So I think I had him see the hard part for me was rating Carrie because Carrie's an Olympian and, but she like, she's been sandbagging us on all these text messages, basically saying like, Oh, I'm not even sure if I can run. I'm not sure how hard I can go. Woe is me. I'm not that fast, but like, she's a legit Olympian. Well, yes. I mean, she definitely obviously doesn't run anything like she used to as far because she does not training like that. That's not what she does, but she is way faster than she lets on. But I think that's just like her natural, um, disposition about it because she's used to back in the day when she was like an actual Olympian. But she told me the other day she had um, whoever the young high school girl was that ran in the Olympic trials on the marathon. She had interviewed her on one of her on the run episodes. And she was like, yeah, we were running like 630 miles. And I'm like, okay, see if I was running 630 miles for more than two miles, like there's no words that would be coming out of my mouth. So yeah, she's <laughs> much faster than she lets on. And especially she could probably rip a good 5k. Like she could probably really run a 5k fast without, you know, too much effort with, cause you know, she was a 1500 meter runner. So I think that you have the teams as, as even as they possibly can be, I feel like, 
honestly, I'm going to say, I feel like, I don't know what kind of shape Jason's in because I feel like Carrie and Chris, Jason, and Abby, I don't know. I feel like those two teams are going to be real hard for you and I and Mario and Lauren to be, to be honest. Yeah. And I think that the real, the real variable here is how people handle the half marathon. For me, it's going to be a challenge. I just got back into running like a month ago after like six months off. So yeah, I'm running right now, like 45 minutes a day, which I'm, which I'm really happy with. With that said, you know, I haven't like put in like half marathon distance. So that's going to be like a who knows what. And I feel like I'm not the only one in that boat. That's a really good point. Cause I don't know how much distance Carrie's really ran since she ran her marathon. Um, in the fall, but I do know that her like easy runs are, I, I know when she was doing those long runs, she would run like 650 pace, just, you know, um, I ran a half marathon in February and I ran a one thirty three fifty something. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was headed in the direction to race the mini, which it, it hasn't been called yet, but it's going to be canceled. Obviously. Um, it's the first weekend in May. It's within that eight weeks that the CDC said no gatherings over 50 or more. Um, but I was going to try to PR the half at that race and my half PRs, not that quick, all things considered it's one thirty-two something. So, um, I was shooting for around a one thirty, one thirty-one, but I've on, honestly only done speed work once or twice since that half marathon I did early February. Um, so, and I've been not, I've been keeping a base of like eight to 10 miles for my long run. So that's there. But, um, I feel like in the past like week, my legs have been like, goodbye. You don't, we don't need to run fast anymore. We're, we're in a crisis right now. So I don't know. I feel like mentally it's going to be hard for me to get in that frame of mind to like push. You know what I mean? All right. So let's talk about where you're going to run the 5k and 10k. Is there a certain spot? that you have mapped out that will be a good fit for you? And will it be kind of where you are now or maybe closer to where your house is? Oh, Matt, I have no idea. I don't plan things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't plan anything in life. Let's be honest. Um, Can you remind me the exact date? All right. So we got a week and a half or so. It's Wednesday right now, Wednesday the 18th. So this this is going to come out beginning of next week. So what we're going to do is the the 5K starts on that Friday, the 27th, and goes into the weekend. And then it's the following weekend is the 10K. Oh, boy. Um, I will probably choose to do it on Friday if I can, because I don't, I don't want that hanging over my head on Saturday morning. Uh, I don't know where I'll be because... Our kitchen, supposedly by Friday, it should be much better, but I don't know if we'll have appliances next week. So um, I might be home. If if I'm home, I will probably run over to Crown Hill Cemetery, which is right near our house because that way I won't have to deal with stop signs or anything, and run it over there, which there's some hills over there. So that could make it more fun. Uh, so I'm assuming I'll do that. Uh, as far as the 10 K and maybe I'll just do them all in crown Hill. That would, that would make it kind of fun. There you go. Is it what we need to do is we need, we need some Glenn Hine commentary during some of these races. If we can get him out there, just, you know, taking your phone, getting on Instagram, getting your profile and giving us his, giving his two cents. I'm a Patreon supporter. I've been able to hear Glenn 
you know, do his thing on audio before. <laughs> He's fantastic. And I think that he has that dry wit. That is exactly what we need from a play-by-play person in this, uh, in this uh, competition. I'm going to let him know that you called it dry wit. I think he'll appreciate that. Um, and by the way, thank you for being a Patreon supporter. I appreciate that. Uh, he, if we can, if we can have people watching over our children, he would do that. I mean, I would like to have him run it with me now that he just, he's a, he's an expert hobby jogger. He literally doesn't run fast ever. And, uh, he, he does all my races with me that he can, like he ran the Donna half marathon with me. So, um, I would like it if he could just run it with me. He can pace me and give me a little tough love. That's what he's best at is the tough love. There you go. But I guess you definitely have to get a babysitter because if you bring the kiddos to that cemetery, like it becomes, maybe you can set up a whole new challenge of like how many headstones would Russell knock over? Yeah, it would be pretty, pretty bad. And it could be possibly disrespectful. Our kids love that cemetery. It's kind of weird. We, we drive through it sometimes like in the evening to like calm everybody down and look around. Um, maybe it's just to kill time while everybody's strapped in the car. I don't know, but, (laughs) um, yeah, we love running in that cemetery. It is beautiful and it's 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 hard to find a hill in Bloomington in, in Indianapolis and so that's the place to go. But yeah, I I can't imagine my kids not causing chaos or scaring the deer. There's always lots of deer in the cemetery and and they probably terrify all the deer. <laughs> all right. So before we get going, who do you think is going to win the competition? And at what times do you think you'll run, at least for the 5K and the 10K? Okay. Um, I have to bet on myself, right? I think it's a safe bet. Okay. So, but we're thinking about speed. So, like, we're thinking about short distance. So, so is it different groups are going to win each set and then an overall winner? How are you doing that? So I'm going to post the results after every race, but we're just going to have an overall winner. I'm starting to feel some pressure, Matt. There you go. Exactly. We need that. We need that little bit of pressure. All right. Because <laughs> what we're doing is it's like cross-country style um, scoring. So if you come in first, you get one point. You come in second, you get two points all the way down, all through the, the eight people. Okay. So then your team will have a certain amount of points per race. And then overall, after three races, the team with the fewest amount of points wins. Oh, okay. So it doesn't matter about your time per se. So like, so say, say like someone bombs it, right? So say I run the half marathon in three hours. I still would get the same amount of points as if I just came in last by a second. Okay. Um, I'm going to go... It's Chris and Carrie on a team. I'm going to go with them for the 5K. He's like, isn't he real young and, and he does those track meets? Like, I feel like he's probably got a lot of that speed in him. And then Carrie's got the, the I, I'm going to go with them for the 5K. Um, I can tell you right now, my 5K is going to be about 20 minutes and 30 seconds. Something like that. Ooh, Maybe 20 good. No, no, 20, 30. I'm going to say 20, 30 is my 5K time. All right. I like it. I think that gets I think that gets top half of the group. You think so? I feel like everybody can run faster than that. Yeah, potentially. But also, how many people are going to be like ready to roll? Right. We kind of sprung this on people. So not everyone's in game shape. 
Okay, just so you know, I'm not either. I'm just guessing based on the tempo run I did last week that that's what I can pull off. Okay, so I'm going to go Chris and Carrie for the 5K. Uh, For the 10K, I'm going to go... I'm going to bet on myself, me and Lauren. No, 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 no. I want, I'm going to bet on me and Lauren for the half. And for the, for the 10K, I'll bet on, I feel like I, I got to bet on you. I got to bet on you since we're on this call. All right. You and Mario for the 10K. Let's go, Mario. Me and you, buddy. Let's Sorry, do Jason and Abby. You're in there. Uh, yeah. They're, they, see, you, you, you dissed them. You dissed them. Um, they, you know, they're going to be going out for revenge. Well, I mean, there was only three races. I, somebody had to be left out, and I had to bet on myself for one of them. Yeah, exactly. Someone's going to get disrespected. Either way, Laura, Laura, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming out. See, I, I'm thinking about your team. I'm so excited. I think like Lauren is a wild card because she also ran the trials, and it's like that can take a lot out of you. So I'm like, then wondering like what she what she's going to have in the tank. Oh, for this. I bet she um, can. I bet she could do a good 5K though. That's just like, yeah, she's going to be good. Yeah, for sure. All right, Lindsay, thanks for hopping on. I appreciate it. Good luck with all the house stuff. And I look forward to talking some trash after the 5K (laughs) in 10 days. Sounds awesome. Thank you. Amber, thank you for taking time out of your evening to join us tonight. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, no worries. So I wanted to get you on as a, so you are a physician's assistant at St. Joe's Medical Center up in Bellingham, Washington. And with everything that's going on with COVID-19, how it's affecting everyone's lives, you know, whether it's athletic or in any other way, I wanted to touch base with you because with all the virtual racing that we're doing, and this is our, our pre-race episode for the 5K and 10K, that getting someone on who not only is well-versed in all of the uh, recommendations and policy decisions around COVID-19 and the virus, that you also come into this from a running perspective. You're a 245 marathoner. You're, you know, one of the best marathoners uh, in the country at that, you know, when you were talking about that pace, so you're right on the border of making the Olympic trials. So getting someone who not only is well-versed on the medical side, but the running side, I thought would be really, really valuable. So with that being said, let's just touch base on just the foundation elements of what people should know and should do in regards to COVID-19 in terms of the preventative measures that the government and CDC are asking people to do? Yeah, well, again, thanks for having me. Um, You know, we really want to be following any of the the guidelines that the CDC uh, is recommending any of your local state government agencies, Department of Health are recommending. So really asking people if they have any flu-like symptoms, cold-like symptoms, even if they think they may be allergies, to really stay at home and to quarantine themselves. Because without testing, you you really don't know, as in 80% of the people really have mild to moderate symptoms. Not all these people are very sick and being hospitalized. So that's the biggest thing is really to have that self-awareness of making sure that you're looking at your own symptoms and asking yourself, you know, should I be somebody who who should be isolating for 14 days in my home? Um, one of the other major things is obviously is our hygiene, our hand washing, making sure that we're really good about washing our hands when we touch things. Maybe you're crossing the street and you use the little light stop switch and making sure that before you eat anything or touch your face or do anything that you're making sure that you're hand washing. Um, and soap is just as good as hand sanitizer. <laughs> I know our san- hand sanitizer is kind of on the low on the low side these days at grocery stores as well. Um, and then the other big part is just making sure that we're not in large groups. So we're not exposing each other 
We're not going over to a friend's house and maybe you don't know that you have it and you're at a birthday party and you've exposed now six, seven, eight, nine people to this. So those are some of our big things that we're really trying to hit home for people is just to make sure that we're in small numbers within our family and really monitoring our own symptoms. Now, one one point of view that seems to be changing slowly here is that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was a certain segment of the population that viewed this virus as kind of destructive to the elderly population, but not necessarily that big of a deal for the younger population. Now that seems to be shifting. It's shifting drastically. What have you seen in terms of not only like the the truth of the matter here, but just in terms of perception and how people are uh, not only evolving here, but putting that so those sorts of um, ideas and practices uh, into into motion? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think obviously our elderly who may have some other comorbidities, some other illness are at a higher risk, but it doesn't mean that people who are younger can't get this and become very ill from it. Um, it could just be, you know, somebody in their twenties or thirties with asthma, uh, that if they got this could be very detrimental. We have seen it in younger people. I know that we have a few cases here in the younger generation, twenties, thirties, forties. Uh, we have not seen a lot of it in the pediatric population, but that doesn't mean that, that we won't. So I definitely think there's a shift that I think a lot of people thought, oh, as long as I'm young, I'll be fine. But that's that's not always the case. So I think we still need to keep that awareness and keep being safe. And it seems like that this virus is is so slippery and tricky because so many people who are infected are also asymptomatic. So what can we do to make sure that if someone is, you know, potentially asymptomatic, that they're not exposing other people who may not be so lucky. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's the part that scares probably me the most is that you don't know that you have it um, because you are asymptomatic. So that really comes down to our social distancing from each other. Like I had mentioned earlier, you know, you, you don't want to go to that birthday party. You might feel fine and say, oh, I feel fine. I don't have anything but you may be wrong and you could be exposing a lot of people. You know, if grandma was at that birthday party, now you've just given it to an 80-year-old grandmother who may have a lot of medical problems who might not be as lucky as you. So it's not how great necessarily you feel and that you feel great. It's how you can really affect others. Yeah, I can imagine. And with all of that being said, it seems like the the overriding message here is is to try to limit this you know overwhelming spike of positive tests not just positive tests because that that implies that everyone's being tested but but people who are basically the, the decrease in the number of people who are infected all at once so there isn't this uh, harmful effect on the healthcare system can you explain to the just me and the, the general population who's listening to this why exactly that is so important. Yeah. So, you know, our, our healthcare system is limited. We only have so much protective equipment. We only have so many hospital beds. We only have so many people who can take care of the sick, the amount of space. So really flattening this curve uh, is, is really trying to keep, you know, people home, keep this illness away so that we, we don't collapse our healthcare system. We can only take in so much and we can only do so much. Um, and that's, you know, hoping that healthcare workers don't don't get it and don't become ill because now the force we have to treat people with is even less. 
So really people staying home, people not getting this, if they do have any symptoms, they're self-quarantining 14 days so that they do not spread this to other people. Because yeah, if everybody does get this um, and need the the resources that the hospital would be able to provide, we simply just don't have the infrastructure for that. Now, even in areas that have a shelter-in-place order, you know, we have seen again. Maybe this isn't across uh, the country or even the globe. You know, this this podcast, these virtual races are being run all over the place. But even in a shelter-in-place order, you've seen that people are allowed to run outside. I think there's you know different ways that that, that different governments and you know, local governments are phrasing it in terms of how far and who and with who and things like that. But they're not necessarily stopping people from going outside. And if they are, there are caveats attached to it. So let's talk about the idea of, of being a runner outside and things that we should take, um, basically, th- things that we need to take in consideration and certain things that we should feel free to do and not be too worried about the consequences. Can you just kind of like go through what people should and should not be worried about in regards to outdoor running? Yeah, I think, you know, still running in small numbers. Um, I will say that, you know, I've run with another person and we just don't run side by side. You know, not, I should start with A, neither one of us are sick or coughing. If your running partner is sick or coughing, don't be running with that person. And that person shouldn't be running, shouldn't should be at home anyways. So that's probably the number one first thing. If they have any respiratory symptoms, cough, congestion, you should not be with that person. Um, that being said, if the other person is feeling okay, we do try to keep a good six feet distance between us. Uh, very mindful of that. You know, we're not snot rocketing at each other, <laughs> doing anything that would share secretions. And so I have seen small groups running. You know, I have not, I would not advocate for the, the groups of 10 to 15 to 20 people all at once in a tight bundle all running together. So I think staying in those smaller numbers is fine. Running on your own is fine. I think you know, being outdoors, having that fresh air, exercising is still so important. Uh, it's so important for our mental health as much as our physical health. All right. So I live near a bike path, which is pretty nice. It's about, um, it kind of looks like a little mini road. There's like a, you, you know, a kind of a dotted yellow line down the middle. And on each side is about four to five feet in width um, each side of that yellow line. So I'll run on that path. And typically I'm running really early in the morning. So I'm usually the only one there. However, that's not everyone's you know situation. So would you advise people not going on paths like that? Or how would you advise people looking out at ways that they can be active, but not necessarily putting themselves in a position where maybe they're getting too close to people that they don't know? And this whole this whole conversation is so bananas, but I'm trying to figure out, you know, different ways to make sure that people aren't put, setting themselves up or even hurting other people unknowingly uh, while also trying to maximize, you know, their their outdoor time and, and trying to still live life as opposed to just, you know, be of the living. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I wouldn't. A four to five foot path, I think, is still fine. You know, like I, I can't say I would get out my tape measure and say, "Oh, you're not six feet from me." You know, that I think we're just using that as a general rule. I will say, like a lot of the trails here and things that I've been running, is people are being really mindful about it. Like as people are passing each other, people are stepping off to the side. Um, people are kind of gapping themselves on the trail. Just having some 
I would say more mindfulness about it, where maybe before we would just run really close to somebody as we passed them, or as a bicycle passed us, they would go close, that people are just trying to really keep that distance from each other. Um, and I think that that's really what we're aiming for here. We are outside and in the fresh air. I mean, it's probably way safer than if a gym were open and you were on a treadmill next to your buddy in a closed gym. Um, so I do think being outside offers that fresh air piece to it, but I think it's just that mindfulness of realizing, you know, we don't want to be very close to each other right now. All right. So how would you advise running groups either like say there's, you know, a, uh, an informal group of 10 to 15 people that usually meet. I'm using that number on purpose because it's above the recommended uh, group size that we've seen. Or you see a lot of, um, you know, running shops, you know, like a running shoe store uh, that have their own little running teams or, you know, group runs and things like that. What would you advise the people who organize those and the people who, who participate then them as well, how they should go about or not go about, you know, putting themselves in those kinds of situations? Yeah, I mean, I can speak to that to some. I'm part of a team here locally in town. Um, and there was a group that organized today of maybe a total of eight of them that went up into the hills. And what they did is they just spaced themselves out. So maybe it was two at a time and they were spaced and then kind of the next two. So it was almost like a long train, <laughs> but but they were all spaced out where people weren't running directly side by side. And then after the run, you know, as people would chat and stuff, people weren't in this closed circle talking. They were very far apart from each other or just kind of all went their separate ways and said, hey, you know, that was kind of fun to see you afar. Um, but you kind of know that somebody else is out there. The other option is if you had a few people, you know, possibly a track where you space yourselves out. But I think it's, you know, it's just that camaraderie of you're kind of all being out there. And I definitely get that being a teammate. And so I can't say that, you know, you, you shouldn't be running at all in some form of a group, but you should just be so mindful about who you're in contact with and how close you are to each other. And how do you see things progressing in the next, you know, three to four weeks in terms of CDC recommendations and what, what you think uh, is likely to be, uh, say someone's listened to this episode in, in four weeks, do you think they're going to be hearing this and be like, yeah, that's exactly how it is now? Or do you think that things may have shifted a little bit in terms of not only recommendations, but um, just a general tone and tenor of our nation's response? Yeah, um, man, I really don't know. I There's times I feel like this is just going to stay as is. And, and there's other days I feel that you know, we're just going to be on complete lockdown. Um, I think all the information that comes at me, it's not just a daily changing thing. It's literally hourly, the amount of emails and info and procedures and the way things are being done. Um, I, I feel like I can't even guess what tomorrow is going to be like. So I know there has been some talk in Washington state of, of closing down group, larger group things outdoors. And that has been not everybody's really following the recommendations. So there have been, we've seen, you know, big groups of mountain bikers all tight together in a pack of 15, 20, not really following the recommendations. And I think that's the stuff where this stuff gets shut down as people aren't being mindful of the, you know, kind of the rules that are out there. 
Yeah, I think we're seeing that in a lot of states now, Rhode Island being one of them. That, you know, that's where I am. Um, we're seeing that the, the idea of like, okay, if, if you guys keep doing this, like we're going to have to start mandating things instead of recommending them. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I think we were up against today. You know, I didn't get to join my teammates, but, you know, they really tried to space themselves out when, you know, every 30 seconds then another pair would go just to try to make it so that we are following the procedure that's that's kind of out there so that that group run doesn't get taken away. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Amber, thank you so much for jumping on the show and giving us the 411 on everything that you're seeing and providing us with recommendations. I know this is top of mind for everybody and we're all trying to, you know, be mindful of the best ways that we can not only, you know, help ourselves and our communities, but do so in a way that isn't necessarily going to keep us on the couch the whole time because as you said, that's not great for physical and mental health either. Right. Absolutely. Like we need to move. We need to get outside. We need to de-stress. We need to have that stuff that, that does make us feel good and get those endorphins somehow. There you go. All right, Amber, thank you so much. And thank you for everything that you're doing from a medical perspective for the people in your community. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Lindsay, Michael, and Amber for coming on today. I hope all of you are able to take, you know, some fun and some entertainment and some experience and well-earned knowledge from these people. They've done such a great job in their areas of expertise. And I just can't get, I just can't wait for this weekend to really dive into the races and even more importantly, see how everyone else does. This is going to be so much fun. Also, shout outs to our sponsors, Inside Tracker, McCurdy Trained, Athletic Greens, and Synchronet powered by Wigwam. I love all these guys. Thank you so much for sponsoring this show and for making this endeavor free for all people. It really is just a blessing. I, I truly, truly appreciate it. So with all that being said, thank you for rating and reviewing the show. It is just an honor to be working with all of you. So have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.